episode 380, She-Hulk, season 1, episodes 1 and 2, A Normal Amount of Rage, and Superhuman Law. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben. Ben Avery here to talk about She-Hulk, attorney at law, and I have been joined by my paralegal. (laughs) uh, Are we bringing back the avocado jokes? (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Samantha is here. Stuart is not. It's just Samantha and I, but we are here ready to talk about She-Hulk, attorney at law samantha how you doing i'm well how are you i'm doing okay doing okay it's been a week it's been a week and a half it's been interesting in the avery household with school getting ready there's been a lot of changes going on i am now the primary homeschooler for my two oldest or youngest daughters my two oldest kids are in college and one of them moved out and then i have my sixth grade son, our youngest child, who we have transitioned from homeschooling directly into middle school, public school. So that's been I, I, actually I say that and it's it is as hard as it sounds, but he has been doing fantastic. I'm really proud of him and the way he's risen to the occasion. Uh, I mean, the, every child is different. And so we always take every child, you know, and talk through what are we going to do? And we've had the ability to do homeschooling. And so we've, we've gone with that for, for most of the time for all the kids, but yeah, but that's, that's where we're at. And it has been, like I said, a week and a half of just lots of family stuff. So some high emotions across the board. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm nowhere near that quite yet. (laughs) Still no kids. But, oh, that sounds – I remember those days, like, right before school would start and things would get crazy, especially once you have kids who are in middle school because that's when they want to start doing the extracurricular activities and hormones and and friends. He's gone ready to go because he's watched, you know, things on TV and he's read Big Nate and Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And so he's like, I know what middle school is like. like, Well (laughs) – Not quite, but he, like I said, he's risen to the occasion and it's interesting too, because that's as the youngest, this is something that he is the trailblazer in our house for this. Uh, None of the other kids did this. And so unlike most everything for a youngest child, he's going through this um, as, as the one who, who's doing it, you know, and it's, it's, it's just interesting to see him him do that he goes to bed every night and he's like i hate school i hate school i don't want to go (laughs) and he wakes up every morning ready to go and it's it's brought back lots of memories for myself so that's where we are that also is part of why we haven't been posting episodes quite how we had wanted to however 
Um, it does create an interesting little rhythm, I think, that we're going to, to take when since we did Ms. Marvel episode two and three together. Um, we're now doing She-Hulk episode one and two together, and I imagine we'll probably continue this uh, two episodes a week kind of a thing, you know, compacted into one episode. So next week, I think we're going to do Ms. Marvel and then back to She-Hulk and then back to Ms. Marvel and back to She-Hulk. I think that's the pattern we're going to be following. So you will see. Because we, we have an interruption coming up soon with Disney Plus Day. And it, it just really works out with this rhythm. So, and the other thing, I'm not sure when this is going to happen. <laughs> may we may record it today, depending on time, or we may not. Uh, but I am Groot. Uh, we've been playing a certain game with some titles. Is it MCU? <laughs> and the I am Groot answer seems to be. Yes, because if you go to Disney Plus, they have a playlist that is the MCU in chronological order, timeline order. And I Am Groot shorts are in there, as well as a funny thing happened on the way to Thor's Hammer and item 47 and the Agent Carter short, if not the Agent Carter series. Defenders are not in that playlist but yeah really Hmm. yeah so i'm gonna say for me personally just because something is not on the playlist does not mean it is not mcu that's three negatives in a row i think that makes it correct (laughs) but since i am groot is on there i know james gunn said not mcu it's not canon but then the producer said it was canon and I thought, hey, we can have a great little conversation about this when we talk about I Am Groot. And then they just threw it in there as it's canon. So I guess the answer to the question is yes. And we will talk about I Am Groot episodes in an upcoming episode. We'll talk about all five of them together. And the episode will be longer than all five of those episodes put together. I'm sure. Because they're short. You can barely say, I liked this episode of I Am Groot. And and that's almost longer than the episodes of I Am Groot. <laughs> it's true. So. I'd be getting into like one of the the little shorts. And I'm like, oh, this is great. This is so much fun. I want to see more. And then credits. <laughs> and then credits. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get into that. But today we're talking about She-Hulk, attorney at law. And as we were talking about it before the episode, we kind of decided it might be good to walk through uh, my review quadrant uh, where we talk about story we talk about characters we talk about style and we talk about themes and then we can talk about how much we enjoyed it uh all together (laughs) but um i think that's probably gonna be the best way to talk about this this show since we're doing two episodes at the same time Uh, and then post credit we'll be talking a little bit about sandman again i think so we'll we'll get to that but yeah so Let's just start with what happened in episode one and episode two. It's very simple, honestly. In episode one, a normal amount of rage, Jen Walters gets her powers, has her origin story, and then talks about how she's going to just ignore her powers and get back to regular life after her cousin Bruce told her you can't go back to regular life. And instead of being able to go back to regular life, a supervillain pops up in her court where she is about to do final argument 
And she has to fight the bad guy as She-Hulk. Bad girl. Bad girl. Bad guy. Bad girl. I know. I know. Uh, Titania. And then episode two, Superhuman Law. She loses her job because of that. And it's not because she's a superhuman. It's because what she did meant that they had to, you know, it was a mistrial because the jury would be biased against, uh, biased toward her because she saved their lives. And they, nobody wants her because she's just going to be a distraction on whatever legal team she's on, except for the legal team that needs the distraction. And that is a superhuman law department in the firm that she was doing her case against in episode one. And her first, her first client that she's supposed to work with is Emil Blonsky from the incredible Hulk. And she has to check with her cousin to make sure that it's okay. But he says it's okay. They're in a different place now. It's been years, been a decade. And so, yes, she's going to take the case. And then we have a cliffhanger at the end of the episode, which is, (laughs) it's an emotional cliffhanger. You know, it's a professional cliffhanger. It's not a giant earth shattering cliffhanger, but uh, Blonsky has escaped from prison to do some cage fighting, which we've seen him do in Shang-Chi. Okay, so I want to start at the end. We already know where he's going with that. Sort of. Well, what do you mean? Because we saw him walk out of the ring with Wong in Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. So yeah, that was the whole thing with when she goes to visit him. I'm thinking, okay, when does this happen? What's the timeline here? What's, you know, how does it all work? And the timeline, according to uh, Disney Plus, if you look at their time, uh, you know, timeline order, uh, Shang-Chi is a few entries before She-Hulk. Yeah. So Shang-Chi and She-Hulk, some of it is concurrent, I think. Which is confusing because... Um, Ms. Marvel, which we were talking about last week, takes place like two or three years after Endgame. So what's going on? Okay, so here's the Marvel Cinematic Universe in timeline order according to Disney+. Plus. Captain America, the first Avenger, Agent Carter, Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer, Thor... The Consultant, Avengers, Item 47, Thor the Dark World, Iron Man 3, All Hail the King, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, I Am Groot, Groot's First Steps, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I Am Groot, The Little Guy, I Am Groot, Groot's Pursuit, I Am Groot, Groot Takes a Bath, I Am Groot, Magnum Opus, Avengers Age of Ultron, Ant-Man, Civil War, Black Widow, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Ragnarok, Ant-Man, Wasp, Infinity War, Endgame, Loki, What If, WandaVision, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Multiverse of Madness, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, She-Hulk, Ms. Marvel. So. Isn't it? Yeah, you said No Way Home, correct? They are not on Disney+. Plus. Oh. So, well, yeah. But, but it, that definitely takes place within a year after Endgame because 
Far From Home takes place about eight months after Endgame, and No Way Home begins just seconds later, and then uh, scooches from late summer into November yeah. of that year. So, Yeah, but this is only the Disney Plus one. So Incredible Hulk's not even on here, which is kind of not funny, funny, but kind of funny because She-Hulk is, especially episode two, definitely referencing Incredible Hulk in a lot of ways, but Emil Blonsky being a part of things. And so, yeah, he leaves to go do the cage fighting and Wong is a part of that. And so <laughs> Wong helps him escape to do the fighting and then brings him back, you know, cause they're working together. And uh, I'm just curious, where is this going to go? But at least they reference the timeline thing for me. So I was like, when is this happening? Is he doing the whole cage fighting thing without anybody noticing because they're using magic to get him out there? Nope. Nope. They they noticed. <laughs> they noticed. So I don't know what Wong and Emil were thinking for him to do that, but. I don't know. I wonder if it has something to do with the seven soulmates. Is he in a cult? It sounds like he, or he's created one. I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't tell if it was like, friendship soulmates or if it's a polygamous kind of a thing or or what's going on there i don't know i don't know i honestly i don't need to know they might tell us they might show us but that might be one of those things where hey let's leave it vague so it's just kind of a funny thing a jokey thing like the haikus that he was using to apologize to all of the people all of the victims of the battle of harlem and one of those haikus went out to Bruce and he got it and he appreciated it after Jen told her, told him, no, don't do that. It's not from the heart. Don't say what they want you to say. No, this is from the heart. These haikus in Shang-Chi. I got the impression that Wong was actually helping him kind of work through things. Yeah, that's what I got too. So I, I, I don't know. I, I have a feeling we're going to learn more in episodes three and four about this whole thing. Oh, he's definitely a part of things. I mean, yeah. And that's one of the cool things about the Hulk comics is there's a whole grouping of characters and things that are gamma radiated. And, you know, so even uh, Betty Ross, she becomes radiated by gamma radiation and becomes a Hulk creature. And then I'm wondering, are we going to see the leader? I've seen people wondering about it. I haven't seen any spoilers about if we're going to see the leader or not, but I think that'd be great. But you have all these gamma radiated villains uh, Doc Samson is another one. He's not a villain. He's a he's actually a good guy. That was the guy from Modern Family, who was in the Incredible Hulk. Oh, it's been so long since I've been seen the Incredible Hulk. Actually, I think the last time I watched the Incredible Hulk was our lead up to the uh, Infinity War. Remember when we did those twenty movies? <laughs> Do you remember the 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 dad from uh, Modern Family? There's like four I can think of. Answers, answer the phone, you know, and my favorite color is yellow. That guy, the. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. the real estate guy. Yeah. No, she's real estate. I can't remember what he does. He does but real anyway, estate too. Yeah. Um, he was, he played Doc Samson. He didn't get radiated. Like they did a lot of things in Incredible Hulk where they were setting up things to come. The leader, Doc Samson different things like that. And then they never went back to it because they just never went back to doing another Hulk movie for whatever reasons. But I'm curious, are we going to see some of these people here 
And yeah, but let's talk about the story. So the story is her origin story and her origin story. They just cut to it. (laughs) So (laughs) a UFO shows up in front of Bruce's car, driving them off the road. She gets a cut on her arm. He has some cuts because he's been using this thing so he can stay not hulked out. And so he gets wounded as Bruce, but the thing gets broke. So he turns into Hulk and some of his blood gets mixed in with hers. And that's it. Done. I just just (laughs) remembered something. I now I there is a timeline issue within this episode in relation to Shang-Chi. Because at at the end of Shang-Chi. I think there's a reference uh, where in episode two, the abomination is at that ring fighting. But in episode one, Bruce's arm is healed after Jin becomes a Hulk. And so he doesn't need that arm sling anymore. But at the end of Shang-Chi, in the mid credit scene, we see Bruce with the inhibitor, which I can imagine, you know, he's been tinkering with and maybe fixed. But his arm is back in the sling. So there's a bit, little bit of a time timeline I think, issue. I think we're gonna have to put a pin in that, Samantha, yeah. and see if they address it for us or not. Because, yeah, we'll just we'll we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, because this is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> for creators, you know, they're not working together necessarily. There's definitely some people in between who are trying to keep keep things going together, and you know those post credits. Are, are meant to tease the things that are to come and they aren't always made by the people who are working on the things to come. So yeah, I think we need to put a pin in that and remember the timeline issue and see if they come back to it for us. Cause the other thing is this, you know, Bruce's arc here in these two episodes ends with him going into hyperspace. <laughs> like he's, he's going away very fast somewhere yeah. very far. Yeah. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens with him, too. So here's another pin I want to pin in, but is he going off to Secret Wars? I don't <laughs> Who know. Knows? Who knows? Who knows? Let's see. When is Secret Wars? Secret Wars is an, isn't until for another year and a half or two years. He could be going to Guardians of the Galaxy. He That's could fair. be going to, I mean, there's. Who knows? Secret and he could just be getting his next <laughs> spring. They could just be throwing him off planet so they can bring him back for episode six or something, you know, but yeah. so that she has to deal with Hulk level threats while he's gone. Yeah. That's a good point. So okay. again, we'll just have to put a pin in that one and, and wait on that one. But, okay. Yeah. So her origin story is fast. It's furious. It's done. And we move on to the training montage, which is also pretty fast, pretty quick. <laughs> and I love the character stuff in between the two of them. You can tell that they grew up together really close and they are extremely comfortable with each other. <laughs> yeah, that that stuff yeah. is fun. I my one big thing is just my, the whole time I'm watching. I'm just like both of them, both of them just need to shut up and listen to the other one. Yeah. Just stop talking, Bruce. Listen to what she's feeling. Stop talking, Jen. Listen to his experience. Just shut up, both of you, and listen to each other. It was so frustrating. 
And I, I hope that that's what I was supposed to be feeling. But this is one of those moments where I felt like I'm just an old man just complaining because like those two young people just need to shut up and listen to each other. Yeah. But if you go to episode two and the family dinner, you can see that it's normal in their family to talk over each other and not, that's true. Yeah, not really listen to what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her dad. Uh, Her dad's oh, great. What's his name? It's, it's uh, Larry, cousin Larry from Perfect Strangers. And <laughs> oh, he was perfect. I barely remember that show. <laughs> he was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good dad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very supportive and just it's going to be okay. That's the one thing that finally she starts listening to people where, where, you know, whatever else is going on, they may not be able to help her, but they're there to support her, you know, and Bruce is, it's going to be okay. And her dad is, it's going to be okay. You know, things did not go the way you wanted it to. That might've been Bruce was saying that, but, but you're here now and you're, you're going to do fine. It's going to be okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, that that was one of my frustrations, though, was just the way that they just weren't communicating. They just weren't. And she's saying some really important things that would be very helpful for him to listen to so he knows what help he needs to give. And meanwhile, he's also giving really important help to her. And she's just, yeah, I got it. I'm better than you. <laughs> Yeah, that that whole sequence, I was like, I'm just waiting for the va- fan video where somebody puts that sequence to anything you can do, I can do better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, granted, if they had done what I'm saying, would it have been nearly as fun to watch? No, it would not. It would not be nearly as fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, I do know people that did not have fun watching it because they're like, oh, just another show where just because she's a girl, she's better than the boy. And I'm just like, I'm not seeing that. Like, she's taking on things naturally. But if you look, it's interesting, too. This is what they did with the She-Hulk in the comics. And this is what they do here. She retains her personality. And she's just... She hulks into a very lean, powerful, balanced machine. And that is not him. Like he is all about just, you know, he's the freight truck and, and, and she's the muscle car. Yeah. And, you know, how do they match up against each other? Well, you know, he, he gets in his, like throwing the boulder much further than her and she's able to do the balance much better than him. Problem is, and and this is a life lesson for everyone, right? She is very natural with the balance, which means she's not taking it seriously because she's so good at it. She doesn't have to think about it. But the whole thing of what he's trying to do is to get her to slow down and to think. And so she's not benefiting from what he's saying and he's not helping her with where she needs to be. And it's again, just this cross communication, not working. So, yeah. And, and I, I totally get where she was coming from that, you know, anger and, and fear. That's, that is the baseline of every woman existing. <laughs> I mean, I just go out there and I'm like, I'm trying not to, to be so angry about everything all the time. But, but yet I'm here. I go do, 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 do. 
And a lot of people look at me, oh, she's she's cute. She's bubbly. And, and, and underneath it, I have this giant rage monster underneath my skin, too. So I I totally relate to this show. Well, and that's what they're hoping for. You yeah. Know? They, they want you to relate to the show. And yeah. And, and again, it's just and this goes back to things I've talked about before. This in general is just understand the people that you're against. You know, like if you're if you disagree with someone the baseline has to be trying to understand where they're coming from and stop thinking about them as, as just the opponent, the opponent, the enemy, you know? And so here, when she's talking about the stuff that she's talking about, this is where Bruce needs to step back and listen and realize, Oh, okay. So how does that work with my experience? So we can talk with each other because your experience and my experience, we are going to benefit from understanding each other's experiences. Yes. Yes. And he, yeah. So. Yeah. But that's. And that's also a lot of, I think, anger management too, is just stopping, listening, take a breath, and then proceed from there once you're fully informed and and, and can think about it. Yeah. 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 Uh, what was the, I can't remember the phrasing that I heard recently when it was working with children with their anger, but it's stop. It was like the red light. The yellow light is um, yield where you're looking to understand what's really happening. So you've got your first reaction to what's happening, but then stop, look, understand what's really happening and then, and then act on it, you know? And again, I don't know if that's here or there, but she's, she could benefit from Bruce's experience, but he needs to understand that she already has experience that's valid in her situation. And we'll see. We'll see yeah. what happens with that. But Yeah, I think a good analogy is um, in, in my house, my husband's a morning person. I am most definitely a night person. And so he has all of his energy in the morning but I'm still very sleepy or still asleep in bed. But in the evenings, he's gone off to bed and I'm still up doing stuff. And he's like, Sam, come to bed. And I'm like, I have energy now to do stuff. I can think clearly now. <laughs> and it's not that there's anything wrong with him. There's nothing wrong with me. It's just this is how we each function. And... You can't change someone's nature, but you can learn how to work with that, which is how come the Hulk is not a villain is because when he has a chance to think about it, he's like, okay, there's somebody who's doing something wrong. I'm going to take my anger and I'm going to channel it in a way that's going to help others. So the abomination, uh, I forget exactly what happened with the abomination and the incredible Hulk, but the Hulk took his energy and his rage, and he used it to stop the abomination from hurting people. So that's why yeah, the Hulk he, is a hero. He was the bullet, right? That was pointed at the problem, right? And yeah, and 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 who was behind the Hulk is of course Bruce, and he's guiding things from behind the scenes, maybe. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like the moment though where they're talking about like, wait, you're just you. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's nobody else calling the shots. And there's, you can almost see like, he's just jealous. Like yeah. I spent 15 years dealing with this and you just, you're just there. Nice. Okay. Yeah. 
And I think this is also a nice note that people deal with anger in different ways. So, I mean, or some people can just handle anger issues better than others. And also, it's anger management, not stop anger from happening at all. Just anger management, knowing, you know, how to, you know, feeling that anger and knowing to react into it a certain way. Well, and that's, you know, whether you come at things from a completely... Well, whether you come at things from a completely naturalistic point of view or whether you come at things in that we were created by a creator point of view, anger serves a purpose and it's the same purpose. The, the purpose is to move us into action. Yeah. And and so, you know, that's the whole thing where if if I get angry about something, you have to yeah manage your anger because your natural reactions to the anger that move you into action might get you in trouble. You know, popping a guy in the nose because he said something you didn't like, that's probably going to cause trouble for you. But, but when, you know, somebody says something about someone you care about and it makes you angry, it moves you into action either to jump in to help the person you care about or to defend the person you care about, you know? And so, yeah. Yeah. Anger is not a bad emotion. That's one of the things that um, I've done a couple units on emotion with with kids at my church. And I talked about like your emotions are not bad. Fear is a good emotion because it moves you to act. Anger can move you to act, but um, don't don't let it control you. <laughs> you need to manage it. So, yes. A good yeah. example is in episode two, that character Dennis at the bar who was talking down to She-Hulk. Um, Dude, uh, he, he went a step further with that when he's like, there's a hot chick over there. I'm going to go talk to it. It. Not her. It. That was absolutely okay. awful. Yeah, like, that was that was getting my blood boiling for sure. So well, it? I feel like it was a step too far. <laughs> like, you know, you want to make sure that people recognize who are the villains. Yeah. You know, but that was basically the... The equivalent of of just having a, a mustache that he's twirling around his finger. <laughs> that's true. You know, like that's just a caricature of of an awful person. Yeah. I honestly, and, and this might just be the circles I travel in. I've never ever heard anyone say that. It, I've uh, heard it just, some guys say that, mostly in college. I've had guys say some really inappropriate things to me or jump to conclusions about me just because I'm a woman. And it's like, really, dude? Well, that's what I'm saying is the the circles I traveled in, like, (laughs) that's like the ultimate of I'm making a choice to be an awful person. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's not, uh, oh yeah, I don't realize it, but I'm, I'm pretty stupid. You know, this is like, I am choosing to be an absolute thing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I would say when you're a college guy, most of the time you don't know any better when you're in college. I mean, that's part of the point to go to college is to learn and grow. But when you're a guy and you're 18, 19, 20, you're still working on your game, man. (laughs) I know you're still figuring out what yeah. life is. I would say, though, in, in this phrase, in this case, the 18, 19 year old who doesn't know what's okay, 
they know that that one's not. (laughs) They're choosing it. I'm not going to give them the, I should give people the benefit of the doubt maybe, but I'm not on that one. This guy is not what you're talking about though. Yeah. Yeah. This is a guy, guy, he chooses to be a jerk. He's in professional world. Yeah. (laughs) There's a hot chick over there. I'm going to go talk to it. So you can tell right away, he, he does not value women at all. No, it's completely dehumanizing. Yeah. Oh. Completely. And, oh, and and the uh, the boss Holloway. Mm-hmm. He's a sadist. <laughs> Holloway is the new boss, right? Yeah, he's the new boss, yeah. and he's the one who is sending a guy off to Minneapolis because he knows the guy doesn't like the cold. I don't know if he's sending him because what he that that conversation he says, uh, just tell him that. Just tell him. I, I almost get the impression that he's like playing with the guy. Tell him this is what we're going to do. I'm not actually doing it, but just tell him because he hates the cold. So tell him, which either way, that's not a good boss. <laughs> I have, and I've had bosses like this too, that, you know, I know you don't like this. You're going to do it anyways, because I have the power to say so. <laughs> but yeah. So I don't know yeah. if they send that guy to Minneapolis, maybe he can say hello to some of our friends that are out there, but <laughs> um, friends of the podcast. Hello, if you're listening. But yeah, it just, because I don't know which would be worse. Like we're sending him to Minneapolis. There's a job to do and I'm sending him because I know he hates cold or tell him that I'm sending him to Minneapolis. I'm not actually, but I know he hates cold. So tell him. And it's just a, a mind game. They didn't get to the, I'm not actually, they didn't get into the, I'm not actually bit in that scene. Just He's going to Minneapolis and tell him, I know he doesn't like the cold. Well, it, but he, he was saying like, just tell him that. Yeah. And, and that's what I, that's where I'm making the, the interpretation that possibly, possibly he's not actually saying you're going, you're just, you're just, he's just saying it. He's not doing it. He's just saying it. Yeah. Saying it know. to, it, to emphasize to Jen, who is right there, that he's the boss. <laughs> it's just not good. Yeah. Not good leadership. No. We used to have le- leadership uh, lessons from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and this is uh, definitely one of those leadership lessons. Don't play mind games. Right. With your employees. Absolutely. Just to prove that you're the boss. Yeah. Support them. And your job is to support them to make sure they can do the job that they were hired to do. Yeah. That's how you lead. You lead by supporting them you lead by serving them and they will then follow you because they know you support them exactly (laughs) leadership lessons with ben and sam (laughs) don't have a sounder don't need one uh okay so we kind of talked about some character people here then too as we're going through this but I think the big character we need to talk about, the one that matters, is Jen. What do you think yeah. about her? I like her. I'd hang out with her. Yeah, I don't know if she would hang out with me. But... <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is going to sound she dumb. She might. <laughs> yeah. This is going to sound dumb, but I love her hair. Like, in which I know form? I'm not supposed to judge. In, in human form, as, as Jen. Uh, the She-Hulk form, I think it is funny that when she becomes She-Hulk, 
the hair is tamed and styled. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then when she's Jen, she has just this mane of hair that I'm like, I like it. You know, it's, it's just, it's not, uh, it's not typical of leading lady hair. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm weird. I like it. Though I I have straight hair, but someone told me who has curly hair that the way to straighten curly hair is to curl it. Hmm. Or, you know, or at least it makes it look better. And I'm like, huh, really? Another way to straighten curly hair would be to um, have your blood get tainted by gamma radiated blood. <laughs> That'll do it. It'll do it every time. <laughs> It's not the safest way to go, but it's definitely the most, uh, it's the most consistent. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So. And she's a, she's a good lawyer. I'm surprised she didn't consider the option of opening up her own firm because that, that opening monologue she had in the first episode, I thought it was great. We need to talk about that monologue and the monologues, but you say her opening her own firm, this one, the title card changed from She-Hulk attorney at law to She-Hulk Attorney for hire. hire. Yeah, <laughs> Which, I caught that's that. That's clever. Yeah. It's clever. Yeah, let's talk about the monologues. What do you think about her looking at the camera and talking? It's not too much. And I'm okay with that. It's a little weird when it happens, but it's not too much. After the first episode, one of the things I was thinking about was Bruce talking about, there's nobody else in there. And I wondered, are we going to find out later on in this series that when she's talking to the camera, that that's actually her talking to not just the audience and breaking the fourth wall, but actually talking to someone who exists in the context of the show, whether it's another form of her or whether it's, I don't know, something else, but maybe because if you recall that scene where they're rebuilding the bar in the first episode and she turns to the camera and she says something and he reacts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. she is talking to her Hulk self. Maybe there is a second, individual in there but it's just it it's not in driving the wheel as he says yeah i'm and i i don't remember her narrating anything as she hulk hmm. okay and i don't remember her narrating anything narrating anything before she became she hulk so that's again we'll put a pin in that and see like was i right was ben right probably you know, because because he's Ben yeah. and he's full of himself. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll put a pin in that one and see, you know, if, if there's something else going on there, then just she's breaking the fourth wall in the comic books that I had from the one run of the She-Hulk. She does just break the wall all the time. She walks through panel borders. She tells the reader to turn the page like it's it's happening all the time and it's pre Deadpool. This this is the one that started that was was her in the She-Hulk comics. And by the way, we talked about her origin story in the She-Hulk comics where she gets a blood transfusion from her cousin, Bruce. They did not waste any time with admitting people to hospitals or anything like that. It's just splash. It's in there. You're done. We're good. Okay. Are we done with Jen? Well, I think we can move on to another topic, but we need to stick with Jen and let's talk about the CGI. Oh, yes. Let's talk about the CGI. I'm not impressed. No. I'm not impressed. 
it's a tiny bit better from the trailer. However, I can tell that there's not a lot of articulation going on in the CGI faces, and it looks weird. I feel like, and let me know if you agree, I feel like the first episode, it rose to the occasion compared to the trailer scenes that we had seen from the first episode. But episode two, so episode one didn't take me out too much, partially because it was two CGI characters interacting with each other. But episode two, when she's walking around the bar and she's walking down the hall, I'm just, this isn't great. Yeah. This, this does not feel right. Uh, does it break the show for you? A tiny bit, yeah. Yeah. Because I know what's going on is that in the, in the face, there are, I don't know how many muscles. A lot, maybe hundreds. And in the CGI, there's not nearly as much. And so you don't get the same kinds of movements as you would with the face. And because you don't have that, you don't have quite the same muscular articulation, and that makes it look weird. So I'm just not impressed right now. Yeah, I just, I feel like we're stepping into just, I don't know, early 2000s yeah. or something. But yeah. that uncanny valley where you're watching most things, you're like, Ugh. And then you watch Lord of the Rings, you're like, well, there it is. And then, you know, Planet of the Apes, where they, oh, that's great. That's amazing. And then, and then every once in a while, something else will come along. You're like, ugh. Yeah. Okay. Beowulf. Okay. Polar Express. And just, okay. Well, <laughs> it, the story's getting told, but I'm not, I'm not believing the CGI. Yeah. I was watching this and I was thinking, I think the animation in the first Shrek movie looked a lot better. <laughs> and that was what? 2000? Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> I mean, the benefit of the doubt that I would give to that is that all of Shrek was all animated together. Yeah. And so it was all of a piece. So even when it wasn't great, it just looked like it fit. But Yeah, but I mean, if you watch back-to-back -back Shrek <laughs> 1, 2, and 3, you can see this. There's changes. And I could even say the same about um, Toy Story, because Toy yeah, Story yeah. takes over. I mean, that's animation over over 20 years. Because, uh, what, the release date of the first one was like 97? But they had been working on that movie for five or ten years already. Well, and that's the other thing here. We have to give some benefit of the doubt to the fact that whatever their timeline was, it's not the same timeline as a full-length feature film. And and yeah, so, yes. For the show, I, yeah. I'm just I'm just wondering what does the motion capture look like for this? Is there motion capture or is it just animated? I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking it is motion capture because that's what they've done before with Bruce Banner and Hulk. Honestly, I feel like it's the best way to go. Yeah. Like that's the best results for me is when it's motion capture, which then it, and we're here, we're getting, you know, quibbling about maybe definitions and stuff. But I feel like when you, when you make the transition from motion capture or from, from animation to motion capture, you're moving from like animation 
to puppetry almost. You know, 3G, uh, 3D CGI is also more or less puppetry yeah, that's... than it is, you know, animation. But, you know, you can make the whatever arguments you want to make. But um, motion capture is like, in my opinion, the ultimate form of puppetry where you are controlling all aspects of this puppet with every movement. And so it's, it's the strings on a marionette done to the nth degree. And it's just when it's done well, and especially with like the Andy circus things I reference with planet of the apes and, and Lord of the Rings, you're just like, Whoa, this is amazing. And when it's not done well, you notice it. And this is a situation where I feel like I'm noticing it. Yeah. So. Cause I actually have something to say about Sandman when we get to talk about that later in the post credit. Yeah. Which we're getting there. We're getting close. We won't be able to take it too long to talk about it, but yeah, yeah. let's, let's move on then. So we talked about some of that style stuff. Was there anything else with the style? You were saying that the, the, the monologues and the breaking the fourth wall wasn't too much. I'm watching and thinking, yes, this is a comedy, but it is not too much of a comedy. Like they're pointing out maybe some of the absurdities of what life in that universe would look like, but no more than I would expect someone who would live a a real person living in a real universe like that would be pointing out the absurdities. I don't feel like it goes over the top. It's not a sitcom in the sense that they're stopping for laugh lines. It feels more like Boston legal. Honestly, that's, that's my go-to is, is Boston legal and, or Ally McBeal. Yeah. But Ally McBeal, that's probably a better comparison. Cause I, I don't know about you, but I've, I've had belly laugh moments while watching the show. This show. Yeah. No, I did not. And I can tell you why. Why? It's the jokes from the female perspective. There's jokes in there that I'm getting because I've I've had similar experiences that you have not. Because you don't behave that way, you wouldn't you wouldn't behave that way, nor would you hang around people that would behave that way. Yeah, so I I have not belly laughed. There was moments where I kind of chuckled, but but you also have to remember, as Daniel Butcher would would point out so often, is I, I don't really have a soul, you know, so. <laughs> It's it's, it's to be expected. I mean, I'm just not going to laugh at things that. (laughs) He also says that you're not romantic either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, What else? What else you got in your notes? Oh, for style. Okay. Let's just take a moment to talk about Titania. (laughs) (laughs) And mostly my notes are she's a super powered influencer influencer. And her she gets her fashion sense from 1980s, 1990s wrestlers. <laughs> That's what it looks like. Well, it's funny you should say that though, because <laughs> she was a part of, I believe, the oh, what do they call it? It's Oh, I can't remember what they call it, but it's like the superpowered professional wrestling in the Marvel Universe. Oh, okay. Yeah, and at the time that She-Hulk comics would have been released, rest, like professional wrestling on that scale would have been extremely popular because that was during the 
Hulk Hogan era. Yeah, so she was, um, I'm pretty sure she was a villain for She-Hulk. But I think she also showed up in some of the Thing comics. And yeah, so I, this is memory and it's it's shady memory at that. So I'm not exactly sure if I'm correct, quite correct. But I believe that she, uh, after Secret Wars, went and fought bad, fought good guys and then also became a wrestler. I could be wrong about that. But that character is definitely a character from the late 80s. Okay. Mid mid to late 80s. And, yeah. well, that makes sense. But I was like, oh, lots of shiny tassels and lycra. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, um, sorry, but The Rock is retired from wrestling, but... <laughs> So, yeah. listeners, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, yeah, that's that's going by my vague memory of of the character. Uh, I might be thinking of a different character, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. No. So anyway, she, uh, I th- thought it was funny that she was like it was a traffic violation <laughs> that she was in court for, and she was had a panic attack or something. I don't know what's going on there. Or maybe she just didn't want to pay for her traffic tickets. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it was a, whatever it was, pretty extreme response to it, but it allowed She-Hulk to do the She-Hulk thing. Yeah. Speaking of the She-Hulk thing. Have you ever been to traffic court? Yes. I hated it. It was so dumb. (laughs) It was so dumb. Well, so the traffic court that I went to, I get there and I'm like, this was an honest misunderstanding that happened that I was coming there for. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so who, who, who'd like to talk to? Am I going to sit in front of a judge and, and talk about it? And they're like, well, you can, if you want, but it's going to be court costs and blah, blah, blah. And you're not guaranteed that it's going to go off your record. But if you just pay us 150 bucks, um, we'll take it off your record. And I'm like, what? What? Yeah, that's pretty much what happened to me the one time I've been to traffic court because I um, was technically at fault for a wreck, but the problem was is I was visually impaired. And, like, I had, like, a, this huge obstacle in my way, so I couldn't see the other person coming um, as I was backing out of a parking space. And when I got to court, um, all I had to do was, before coming into court, was to prove that my insurance company is covering the costs of the repairs for the other person. And the DA saw that, and he's like, okay, we're writing this off. It's not going to be on your record. So, yeah, because, I mean, there's just so many small cases like that in traffic court that they, you know, just they just want to make sure that the the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. Um, but listening to other cases while I was in there, it was like, are you serious? You have 15 parking tickets? <laughs> When will you learn? <laughs> and that's why I got off was because I didn't have anything else on my record. Yeah. And, you know, so I didn't even go before a judge. I just went and sat with a one of the traffic attorneys who worked for the, the courthouse mm-hmm. and signed a paper, wrote a check. And it was just like this. I, I don't think extortion is quite the right word, but I'm just like, this is wrong. That you're, I'm paying to just have you ignore what I did. Like, what if I actually did do something wrong? Mm. But they got my money. 
So. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, if you actually go before a judge, I'm pretty sure it's like another $200, $300. And, well, that's the thing. Know. It would be that much, plus I wouldn't be guaranteed. Like if it, if it turned out that I was innocent or whatever, then I wouldn't have had the court costs, but there's no guarantee. And I might end up with court costs plus the ticket. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, no uh, – Cost benefit analysis. I was definitely not going to go that route, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else in your notes there? Um, just little notes about moments and like beats in the show, like the family dinner or uh, quotes like "Let your thoughts drift away, relax your neck." I mean, that kind of thing. Nothing really important. I mean, Bruce was definitely leaning on. 15 years of experience, but um, I think that's actually, that's one of the other things I wanted to kind of mention is just, they did clear up some MCU things that we had questions about, like um, why did the lullaby work? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's the answer, by the way, the official MCU answer of why did the lullaby work? I don't know. Hulk crush Natasha. Not that way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And the other thing, and this is where I kind of turned against Jen a little bit, um, was the whole thing where she tricked Bruce into giving up uh, when Steve Rogers lost his virginity. Like (laughs) that to me was rude and like, that was information that clearly Bruce felt like it was told to him in confidence and did not want to reveal. And so what does she do? She goes and relies on lawyer tactic kind of things to trick him out into saying it. And I'm just, no, that was not okay. That was not okay. It was not Bruce's story to tell and it was not her information to need to know. And she tricked him into betraying a friend. Yeah. I, that almost turned me against her completely. Mm. It, it, yeah. <laughs> she she fixated on Steve Rogers quite a bit. I'm like, girlfriend, you you have you have mentionitis going on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. That that was that was hard for me because I was just, no that I felt bad for Bruce, and yeah. And maybe that's just their relationship. Maybe it was okay. Yeah. Maybe their relationship is all about betraying each other and, and getting them to do things they know they shouldn't do. But yeah. Oh, this is also the point where if Stuart was here, he'd say that um, Steve Rogers lost his virginity to um, Pete, Peter, uh, <laughs> not Peter Parker, uh, Peter from... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Star-Lord. What? Okay, so what happened is the actress who played uh, Star-Lord's mother is also the same actress who played this little bit role in Captain America First Adventure. And uh, all she does is come up to him during his USO tour and ask for an autograph. And that's it. And so Stuart and I got into a conversation about, oh, is that uh, uh, Peter's mother? No. And I did the math. It would have to be his grandmother because (laughs) 
I, I did the math that if this girl was between 15 and 25, then she had to be born between like 1913 and 1923 or something like that. So that means she had to be in her early 50s or late 60s by the time that by it was 1980s when Ego was on Earth. And and he's like, so we went back and forth about it. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that if we, if he was here, he'd still be arguing that that was Star Lord's mother. I got you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. well, I don't think so. So, uh, Stuart, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's two against one. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we need to close this down pretty soon here. So, again, any more notes, Samantha? Um. Uh, well, Stuart's not here and we have not made a reference yet. So, Star Trek. <laughs> Thank you. And also, I have a haiku. Okay. Dave, Julia, Tazzle, Blessed Cheesemaker, Jeffrey, Andrew, Patreon. Nice. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's a 575. That. That <laughs> oh, I, I really appreciate what you just did there. That was really good. <laughs> nice job. Yeah, so thank you to our Patreon patrons. <laughs> And I want to say also to everyone who's listening, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for spending time with us. And um, I just, again, leadership lessons. Like we said before, don't play head games with the people who work for you. That's not a good way to lead. And based on this show, I would also agree that one of the best things you can do to help someone acclimate to a new workplace is to provide them a map to the best bathroom for pooping. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard from us, now we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a voicemail by calling one 5 level 7 That's one 553 8357 or send us an email to studioavery at gmail.com. You can also go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback and leave us a message there. Or join us on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash welcometolevel7. The 7 is spelled out. And don't forget, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash welcometolevel7. The 7 is spelled out. And become a Patreon supporter there. Once again, thanks so much for listening. And Godspeed. All right, Samantha, let's talk Sandman. We only have a couple minutes. So how far along are you in this series? I am all the way up, I think, through three episodes. The le- the episode that's next, and this is the reason why I haven't watched any further, is A Hope in Hell. Mm-hmm. And that is, in all honesty, we talked about the battle with uh, Merlin and the witch in Sword in the Stone. Uh, but it's one of the best comic books I've ever read in my life, is that particular uh story in the sandman comics and so i've been holding off because while the series has been really good um there's certain bits about it where i'm like well that's not exactly how i pictured it you know like even morpheus's voice it just takes me out every time he speaks because that's not the way i imagined his voice from the comics in the comics his dialogue was all in a black 
balloon with white lettering and it's kind of got a a blobby sense to it so it's not like a, a perfect balloon but there's like um tendrils kind of coming off of it and mm-hmm. uh and so i i always had a, a certain thing that the way i pictured his voice and it's not this and so it, does it break it for me no but at the same time i've been nervous to actually step into that episode because for reasons like that Will it live up to what I remember of reading that particular episode in the comic series? So Mm. you finish it though, correct? Yes. I've seen all 11 episodes. There's an an 11th episode now. Yeah. And when you mentioned that, I was really surprised that they did that. But at the same time, I'm not surprised at all. That's perfect. Like they have all these stories from the comic series that they're pulling from. It sounds like they took two of the other great one kind of done in one stories from the series and, and they put them into this one last episode. That's fascinating yeah. the way that they have developed the series. Yeah. So um, I wanted to talk about the CGI in this series. It's gorgeous. And specifically, I wanted to talk about Matthew, the Raven, because there are some scenes I'm like, is that a real Raven? Uh, okay, he's talking now. He's reacting. That cannot be a real raven because he just turned his head and and physically reacted to something that Dream said. It is Patton Oswalt. Yeah. Is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, he's not doing motion capture. I almost guarantee you. Oh, no. <laughs> he is not doing motion capture for this raven character. So you're right. It is beautiful. It's beautifully shot. Uh, there's just so much about the series that I feel like Sa- Sandman could not have been made until now yeah with netflix streaming you know all all the different factors that go into it but then also the effects and so they're able to tell the grand big story instead of trying to do a two-hour movie and they're able to yeah and they're able to because it's on netflix and streaming it doesn't have to have the mainstream appeal where they don't have to change everything to be more superhero or whatever it might be so yeah I, I've been surprised. So. Yeah, and I've noticed that if you have a long book series, chances are a streaming series is going to do you a lot more favors than a two-hour TV show or a two-hour movie because you have more time to actually discuss, you know, why is this character doing this? Oh, you don't have to shorten that story because, you know, you have so many minutes here that you can expand upon that 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 chapter or, or so on. Uh, so, and... Oh my gosh, ever since Lord of the Rings came out, everything has been different for CGI. Yeah. 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 And and Avatar, to be honest. Like there was a couple different things that happened around the same time in Matrix. Like these things yeah. pushed it, let it move. Even the Star Wars new they they prequel trilogy pushed technology. And that's one thing that Star Wars has always done well. It's push technology. Yeah. So Though, uh, for Star Wars, BB-8, that's not CGI. That's a prop with a head that actually does stay on top. Yeah, and yeah. that impressed me when I learned that was not CGI. But even that was pushing like technology on how they were getting it to move and yeah. and rotate around the, the shell of the creature yeah. or the droid. So, All right. Well, Samantha, it is time to wrap this up. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Thank and you. let's... Uh, Have fun talking about Ms. Marvel next episode or I am Groot. We'll see. Talk to you later. Bye.